Welcome to Faith of the Fathers podcast, where scripture matters and history is his. I am your host, Nathan Waters, and I'm joined here with my good friend and co-host, Jordan Lyons. How are you doing? Doing good, doing very good. Good. I'm glad to have you here today. And uh, if you remember last week, we covered the Old Testament and manuscripts, and we covered a lot of long and uh, cumbersome information. I'll say cumbersome. I won't use boring. Yes, in my yes, vocabulary. It was, yeah, definitely not boring. It's yeah, just too interesting. Absolutely it, interesting. Hundred percent interesting. <laughs> well, today we have another great episode planned for you. We're going to be talking about the New Testament, talking about some more text lines for that, and then we'll end it by talking about modern Bible versions, and we're going to give you some to stay away from some that are decent and then we're going to give you the ones that we think are the pillars for our english translations amen to that man absolutely so to start out with this uh jordan you are you're our history guy man you you have studied <laughs> this and you have read books on this this stuff i've read a little bit but you are far more knowledgeable than i am so Give us the rundown of the the manuscripts that we have for the New Testament. We have some good ones. Um, we have some not so good ones. Um, I would personally, my personal favorite, I would start out with, which is the Codex Amiatinus, which is a Irish text of the Vulgate, and. It's incredibly accurate. It's very old. Um, and for some time it was in possession of the Catholic Church until the uh, Irish wanted it back, essentially. It had made its way to Italy through some strange means. And it preserves the New Testament incredibly well. Um, it's being studied, it's, it has been studied, it's currently being studied and compared to other codices um, because what makes it special is it represents the earliest version of the Vulgate that we have, and we all know that the Sacra Biblia Vulgata of Jerome was the Bible translation of Western Christendom. Um, so we have that, the Codex Amiatinus, and I think... Uh, right, and, and so Jerome's uh, translation from Greek to Latin, the Vulgate, was a around the 300s, right? Yes. So that that is early on. Very I mean, early. I mean, we're talking about, you know, two great-grandmas, and then you're there. <laughs> Pretty much, I mean... And, and not only that, but Jerome was obsessive about detail. He was, um, and I hate to quote Origen, but Origen did do uh, a great job in uh, his creation of the Hexapla, um, which was multiple versions of the Bible all in one single Bible. Hmm. But that's been since lost. But what makes Jerome's Vulgate so interesting and the Codex Amiatinus so interesting uh it not you know it's new testament text is the fact that we're getting 
a New Testament text that is so close to the original that it's more accurate than most of the Bibles we have today. In fact, I would pay money to see the Amiatinus word-for-word translated into English and made available to the public um, just because it represents the pre-revision of the Vulgate. Hmm. Because the Vulgate was revised um, in what was called the Clementine Vulgate. And it's the Clementine Vulgate is excellent, don't get me wrong, but... We'll, we'll probably get to this a little later, but uh, I every single time that I maybe uh, am talking to someone about different Bible versions, and you know, it gets brought up about verses being included or excluded yep. from text, and I'll always go back to the Vulgate because that is so early on, 300 years, um, and and we have translations into English. Correct. That are, are very good and they line up well with um, King James Version, yes. New King James Version, and, uh, you know, the there, there's a list of, of other good ones that absolutely. they kind of mesh together. They absolutely do because what, what you see in the Vulgate, I mean, there are several verses, several verses that are wholesale taken right out of the Vulgate and put into the KJV 1611. Uh, which is the finest Bible in the English language. Um, but there were other codices. There were other codices as well um, that we, we still possess. We have the codices, uh, the Alexandrian codices, which have proven to be not so faithful because of the fact that they were considered less important by the scribes and stored away more as oddities than actual scriptural uh, than actual datum to be put into the scriptures right um, so I've heard when I was in Bible college I heard this argument for the Alexandrian text line they would say well it's older oh well, yeah it's older but that's because it wasn't used. It, a Correct. lot of them were seen as maybe mess ups from the scribe and they were just kind of stored. They didn't want to throw it away because it was still valuable. Correct. But it wasn't, you know, on par with, with what uh, scripture trans transliteration should be. And, yeah. and so this Alexandrian text line compared to the Texas Receptus, or we'll, we'll call it the TR, um, it's there's differences, and and some of them are, are pretty big differences. Yeah, they're very it. they're very glaring. They uh, my memory serves me as many of the Alexandrian texts remove the longer ending of Mark. Um, yep, which yeah. in the Byzantine received text or what is commonly called the Textus Receptus is included, and it's included for a reason, and it's the same thing with the Ioannine comma. People say, oh, well, it wasn't in the origin in this original text or that original text. The the important thing is it doesn't matter because the major preservational system of scripture was done in the monasteries. And the Lord worked through the monastic hand to preserve our Bible. 
And so if those verses are preserved by the monastic hand, and they're preserved by the largest city in Christendom, which is Byzantium, then I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. I will go with a I will go with a Byzantine uh, text every day. But there, there's you know, there's there's other um, there's there's other codices. You know, you have Codex, like we said, Alexandrinus, and uh, we have uh, Vatic, we have uh, t- Codex Vaticanus and um, Codex Sinaiticus, and these offer us some interesting things and some valuable things. So, what what codices are a part of the received text line? Um, they're really just continuations, so it's really hard to call them by any one name because they've been copied successfully over and over and over if you if you look at like a chart it's it's almost like a family tree Mm -hmm. passed passed down of okay they uh transcribed from this codice or from this manuscript and you know it just it keeps getting brought down yep um which is very cool and i think it is a very effective way of preserving god's word yes because you have all these different branches um and i will say that yeah we have some bad bad branches but overwhelmingly they are all good yeah i would i would argue that there's nothing overtly heretical in any of the any of the ancient codices we have of the new testament um but we do have the pure line um and I would argue with the best scholars in the world, and I'm uh, I, I have no me personally. I have I have no uh, no scholastic accoutrements or anything. I, I I don't have a degree or anything. But I would argue with the best textual scholars that the Byzantine text, what we know as the Textus Receptus, which is included in um, modern uh, Bibles or modern New Testaments. Like that of the KJV, NKJV, um, the OSB, and uh, naturally the the Vulgate, um, and the Patriarchal Text of 1901 of the Church of Greece, which is just spot on. Mm. Um, but it, it it's incredible to see that we have these bibles or these new testaments um and they're not promoted as they should be um instead of what's promoted is like what we're about to move into is these this obsession with english versions of the bible Mm. i i had always thought it was kind of maybe a little selfish for Americans and and English speakers it's like we we don't have enough English versions it's like how many is enough when do we finally have the right one how many is yeah how many is enough last time I checked something around 88 or 90 versions uh and that's growing um some of the notable ones that are more heretical in fact i would i would call them you know 
tendering for fire. I would call them kindling. Um, these gross destructions of scripture that call themselves Bibles, like the message Bible. Yeah. Um, me and you have encountered this Bible firsthand and read it firsthand. And uh, the, the message you, I do this all the time. Hannah and I will be doing devotions and we will we'll come to like uh, verses that are uh, maybe controversial and like, let's see what the message has to say about this. And the Bible app that I use, it's just so easy to pull up the other version and, and compare and contrast. Yeah. And it's like the message has like five paragraphs where it was just one sentence. And it's like, I have learned nothing about nothing after reading that. Exactly. Exactly. The message in the message remix, uh, I consider, I consider to be trash, utter trash. Um, and there are some some Bibles that come close to that. Um, the Amplified Bible being one of them uh, that grossly distorts Scripture. Um, if you're going to have a Bible version, especially a New Testament, and there's going to be new codices in the background for the production of that Bible, as we were just talking about codices, because we're working out how we see codices, and now we're seeing how codices influence uh, Bible translation. Um, they're getting a lot of these Bibles. They're getting too adventurous with the amount of codices they're using, and in doing that, they're causing confusion. And not only that, but they're some of them are using codices that are not part of the traditional long line of biblical um, preservation that we see in the Byzantine. Right. Line. Another problem that we're running into is instead of translating the Bible from Greek or whatever the, the language of the codice was, we are now getting to the point where it is like, is this a study Bible that they are making or is this, you know, word for word scripture? Correct. Uh, the translation philosophies of the uh, of the twentieth century and into the twenty first has slowly went from well, let's be a little adventurous and let's add something here, look at something here, you know, starting with you know some of the early revised versions in the nineteen hundreds to. And even some in the 1800s, there were some revisions in the 1800s, uh, scholarly Bibles done in the 1800s. They were respectful. But now they're, they're, they're becoming, um, how can I say? Uh, it's all, they're, they're, it, they're, they're being designed for money. Essentially, they're being made so they can sell another Bible because... If there's one thing we don't need, it's another English Bible. They're spending tens of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars making these new English versions. And they could be making newing they could they could be making versions in languages that have never had a Bible version. Right. And we'll uh, have missionaries come to uh, my church mm. that are like, yeah, we have one version of the Bible. Yeah. And it's and it's subpar it's it's yeah it's barely in their language <laughs> uh like yeah. some dialects in africa 
where it's like they have to learn a language that's similar to theirs to be able to read the Bible. And it's just like, you know, when is, when is it enough? Like when, how many versions do we need? And the, and that's the problem. There's the people are like, well, new discoveries are being made every day. I'm like, I don't care if there are new discoveries are being made every day because again, and I hate to sound like a ringing bell. We have the ultimate version right in our hand. Right. And, and we have verses from scripture that say that God's word will never pass away. It will, and it will not return to void. It, it will not return the void. thing to where so, it's sent. So we have to ask ourselves, where has the Bible been if we do not have an adequate version of the Bible in the English language? Exactly. And, and that's what bothers me. They're not promoting the good core versions. They're giving us NIVs. And by the way, they had a lesbian on the committee for the the creation of the NIV. Don't believe me? Check it out. I'm True. not lying. They have um, the uh, the home. I mean, I can I, let me just rattle off a few versions because I I grew up in I grew up in a home that had a lot of versions. It, not because my family were a bunch of heretics, but it was just because we, we just read Bibles. I mean, you have the NIV, the RSV, the NRSV. You have um, the revised version. You have the New Living Translation. You have the Living Translation. Then you have that horrible, horrible Amplified Bible that's used by the Charismatics and um, some of the heretical Pentecostals. Um, the New American Standard Bible. The New American Bible. Um, the Jerusalem Bible, the New Jerusalem Bible. This is just a few. The what? Of, there's one the the TLV, the Tree of Life version. Tree of Life version, which is what? And 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 as coming from someone who's an antiquarian, because I be, I believe as any Christian should believe, any Christian should be an antiquarian. They should look back. Because we're heading towards the end times. We're not heading towards the beginning. So things are going to get worse. So naturally, evil people with some, not all, with some of these Bible versions are trying to expunge parts of Scripture one bit at a time. They're taking bites out of it. And that's what you see in some versions. Right. And and there's always two sides to a coin. Mm -hmm. I mean... Sometimes, you know, the coin is is flat, so there's, there's not really much to the other side. But um, unfortunately, we have we have gone into this era where it has stopped being stopped. Uh, it has stopped being about the translation of God's word into a, another language, but it has moved into opinions on what god god's word should say yes and that's unacceptable it's very unacceptable that's you couldn't have said it said it any better because you'll see you'll see these opinions starting to mold the language of the text and it's subtle it's very very subtle but it is influencing it well and here's just just one doctrinal matter. We can cover this another time as well. Mm. Uh, about 
women being pastors, mm. bishops, or uh, whatever word you want to call them. Presbyters, shepherds, shepherds yeah, whatever. Exactly. Women are not permitted to be pastors. Not because I said so, not because you said so, or because we're male chauvinists, but that's because that's what the word of God so, says. Yeah, first, but in some first, of these, second Timothy and in Titus. some of these modern versions, and I've checked these out, it has started to eliminate the masculinity of these roles. Because yes, because there is a bias in our culture towards um, towards men being in power. They yeah. want they want women to be uh, in leadership and to have control. And now this is coming from a person who has a brilliant wife. My wife is so smart. She was valedictorian of her uh, graduating high school class. Brilliant lady, brilliant um, lady. And I love my wife to death. And I think she has great ideas. And, you know, sometimes I want my wife to be heard. Uh, but there is an order that God has placed things. Yeah, and, and there exactly. is there, yes. women have their roles and that should be uh, be able to be seen, you know, from the Bible. But if we're taking these out, you know, the problem is going to be that we are going to end up in a society that has. Uh, made God's word into what they want it to be, and it's going to end in utter chaos. And Total confusion. chaos. I mean, it, a perfect example was Ireland. In uh, let's, let's let's look at Ireland in the uh, uh, years before Christ, where certain tribes were matriarchal. One woman would marry fifteen men. And she would have control over them completely backwards. And it was witchcraft. It was a form of witchcraft. And I, I call it out. And I call it out today. Women who want to be pastors, women who claim to be pastors, who claim to who claim to be bishops or priests or presbyters, I believe I firmly call them out as witches. And I have no problem saying that. And and the reason is it's a usurpment of a divine order. And that's a usurpatious spirit. And it's not, and, and when we use the word like men in power and things like that, we don't mean men like beating not, not, women. It's not, not egalitarian. Exact, it's not like we're going to, it's not like a man in power. Oh, well, he's in power. That means he's, he hates women. He beats down on women. He's a rapist. He's a, he's a chauvinist. No, no, no. It just means that there's, there's orbs of power. And the, the, a certain orb of power was given to the man by divine right. We can't argue with it as Christians. And there was a certain orb of power given to the woman, which which included some submissiveness to the husband. And it's not like we're lord, lording it over our wives or anything. But uh, these versions, as you're saying, are trying to promote this usurpment. And these people who are promoting them oftentimes, and I'm not saying all of them, but oftentimes are connected to the occult and to witchcraft. Some of these women are. Hmm. Um, and a, a, a perfect example would be the uh, that terribly nasty uh, writer Stephen King who writes terribly nasty books. His daughter is supposedly either a priest or a bishop in a church. And I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's it's, hmm. it's it's sad. It's very sad because it 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 
it grieves the Lord, but these right and and I think we can end on on this note. The reason we are so passionate about God's word and these first two videos about um, some of these lengthier and more deep uh, mind-boggling uh, topics that you know you, you've got to sit down and you've got to open a book and you've got to take out a, a time chart and and just kind of research some of these things is because of the fruits of evil when evil creeps into the church to the bible to whatever it perverts it in the end is always horrible for those who fall into it and we want to be the the guys who are standing in the way and we're saying no we're not going to let brothers and sisters in the lord get carried away uh down this slippery slope yes and, yes and not saying that people who read niv are are those yeah, people yeah yeah no no but it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse mm -hmm. and and i'm not gonna let that happen not over my dead body they're agreed I, I mean i will speak out against it at every turn i'll speak out against the modern heresies uh till i'm blue in the face and, I, and I'll, I'll i'll do something about it too i want to you know it's, it's about educating so young people uh not you know older people young people anyone people can dig up and find find out about these things so yeah yeah exactly and that's coming from two guys who uh one grew up in a kjv only home that was me <laughs> uh but i still reference from other versions just so i know what i'm dealing with what mm. i'm talking about and you know to go into it with an open mind maybe maybe there was a a good translation in modern times mm -hmm. which there are some decent ones. There are some decent uh, ones. I have a brother who rec recommended the MEV to me the other day. I've heard someone, some, and someone use he it. said it's a great Bible, and you know, just taking his word for it, you know, great. I'm I'm glad, and and you know, I I can come alongside, you know, a modern translation that is good and stays true to the text, mm -hmm. and you know, I I can I can lock arms with that and say, you know what, that is. That is God's word, um, but these these modern perversions are gonna have to go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, with that, we uh, thank you for tuning in with us today. Again, I'm your host Nathan Waters here with my good pal Jordan Lyons, and uh, and we just we really hope that maybe something today could have uh, pricked your heart. Um, Maybe you want to learn more. Maybe you have some questions. Whatever it is, uh, you can reach us at our email, which I will post in the link below. Uh, and you can feel free to send us any question you want. Um, and if we, if it's important, we'll answer it on the next podcast. Uh, if it is something that is kind of private, we'll just answer uh, through there. But anyways, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Glad uh, to be on. And until next time, we are Faith of the Fathers podcast.